Live on 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, Jim, give me your impressions of the uh, Timberwolves game last night. I didn't expect them to win the game, and then I, at the end I thought they should have won it, and then they didn't. That's exactly right. I thought they played brilliantly for about three quarters. Uh, you know, they played a great first half. Uh, Towns was exceptional. Conley was exceptional. He got it, they were getting up from Torian Prince. They were surviving Anthony Edwards, looking like he is exhausted. Uh, and imagine that. Imagine the Wolves beating the Lakers, uh, one of the hottest teams in the NBA, with LeBron and Anthony Davis playing well in Los Angeles, with Anthony Edwards not being able to get, even hit the rim. You know, that's where they were headed. And then fourth quarter, uh, combination of fatigue, uh, lack of ball movement, lack of body movement. I thought they got to, a, you know, they were scoring because they were attacking the paint, kicking, swinging, and getting open three-pointers, and they were making those three-pointers. That's why they were winning. Fourth quarter, a uh, combination of fatigue, wanting to milk the clock a little bit. They got very passive. They ended up just shooting bad shots at the end of the shot clock. Of course, the Lakers also ramped up their defense, which helped, but I, I just thought their, defense, their offense fell apart in the fourth quarter. They should have won that thing by 10. Exactly. They had that opportunity right in front of them. And, you know, NBA players, they make their money on the regular season, but they make their bones and their reputation in games like this. And if they could have beaten this Lakers team, I know it's not a whole series and they likely wouldn't be uh, in the series with the Lakers for seven games, but they had a one game shot. And then I felt, you know, Anthony Edwards just wasn't there at all. What do you think was the problem? He looks really tired these days. And, uh, you know, I think he's banged up. He's dealing with a shoulder. I think he's dealing with some uh, some other, you know, aches and pains. But and, and you know, part of it is because he doesn't take days off in the regular season. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, load. He doesn't uh, protect himself. And I love that about him. But now we're seeing him at the end of a season in big games, just looking like he can't move. It's just a. Uh, it's not a good. Not a good development. Yeah, when the ball was coming to him, he was just passively giving it up and backing away from the ball. You could really see that he didn't even really want it, and he probably felt like he just couldn't do enough with it to help the team. Yeah, and when he's good, he can always beat the first man, and then he combination of explosiveness and Euro steps and ability to score with either hand, he can usually find a way to either create his own shot or kick the ball to somebody else. He wasn't really even trying to do that yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and when he saw him elevate for shots, didn't look like he had his legs under him. Uh, he just did, and and the fact that they didn't have Jaden McDaniels and Gobert meant he had a you know some prime defensive. He had, was expending a lot of energy on the defensive end. Uh, all that combined to just make him a non-factor and really a negative factor. If he if he had just you know shot forty five percent from the field, they win that game. Yeah. He, yeah, he definitely had to be a minus player in, in last night's game. And then, you know, they, they talk about role players are always better at home than they are on the road, especially once you get to the playoffs. And I know they're not calling this the playoffs. I don't know why it seems like it's the still playoffs. a playoff game. Yeah, but uh, it, it, it and that seemed to be the case with the Timberwolves guys, too. You know, Torian Prince made shots the whole game until the end. Uh, you know, same thing with Anderson made shots the whole game until the end and made plays. They all kind of got into this group kind of almost a seizure moment there that last five and a half minutes. Yes, and that's why ball movement, they stopped, I think, when they got tired and when they started thinking about protecting the lead instead of scoring, they stopped moving their bodies. And when you aren't moving your bodies, when you aren't making cuts, when you aren't putting the defense on the defensive, then they can press up on the ball handlers, the people on the perimeter. They weren't making them pay 
for playing extended defense. Mm-hmm. You have to make them pay either with ball movement, cutting, or you have to beat the first man and then then you know get to the paint and make a decision. They just weren't doing any of that. And again, uh, people don't want to probably don't want to hear this. I think a lot of it was fatigue. They were playing a short bench. Uh, it was an emotional game. It's been a long season. And once they got the fourth quarter, they looked like they had no juice left. Yeah, very short bench. And, you know, you referenced McLaughlin. They need to upgrade their backup point guard. And every time he came on the floor, it wouldn't take more than a possession or two to see that he was not helping the team out there either. That Conley could hardly take any time off in that game. Yes, and Conley's an older player, and McLaughlin uh, was trying to hit you know, McLaughlin was trying to hit regular season shots against a playoff defense. Yeah. He was going in there and just saying, okay, I'm going to flip this up and make a cute basket, and they were just rejecting it. He just did. And, and listen, it, it's a cool thing that somebody that size and with that attitude has, you know, made an NBA career for himself, but it's not exactly working out for the Wolves right now. No. Alexander Walker looked good. He got more yep. minutes than he would have normally, but, boy, he's an athletic live wire uh, out there and seems to really understand the game. Yes, and he's a big. He's bigger than you think he is. He's like six five, six six, wiry, strong, runs the court well, plays defense. Uh, he's he's a nice. He was a nice pickup for this team. Uh, talk wild a little bit. They lose last night uh, to the Jets three to one, ending their chances at the top seed and the uh, chance at the number two in their division. Also, kind of a long shot. They need a lot of help uh, now. But I don't know how the concerned they are really about having home ice in that two versus three. Is that a big deal? No, and they really, the way they played the last couple of games, it hasn't looked too much like they were just desperate to win. They yeah. ended up winning the other night against a bad Chicago team. They didn't win last night. Uh, I, the Really, the, the important thing that came out of last night is Marcus Johansson uh, got cross-checking the boards late, uh, did not look good leaving. That, this would be a terrible time to lose him. We don't have an update on him yet, but this would be a terrible time to lose him. Boy, it sure would. Things got nasty at the end of the game. It doesn't appear as though the Jets and yep. Wild care for each other much. No, uh, that's been a pretty good rivalry. The win, the Jets have always played a pretty heavy game. Uh, the and yeah, we ended up. They, you know, there was even the coaches going back and forth at each other at the end. Uh, you know, Everson didn't like the hit on Johansson, uh, and there were a couple of fights. And then there was uh, Ryan Reeves going out there and starting a fight at the end, which I, I never understand why that. You know, what what even the point is? Okay, you're. This player is mad at this player. Let's have two completely different players fight. It, 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 it's so uh, stupid. I don't know how else to put it. But, you know, Reeves goes out there to pick a fight, and the, the Jets' uh, bench is screaming at, uh, at Everson. Everson doesn't seem to care. So it got ugly, but I really think it all got ugly because the Wild were so upset that Johansson took a cheap shot. Yeah. Was there other cheap shotting going on? Or was it just that one? It's, you know, Everson made it sound like, yeah, it was going on quite a bit. It's hockey. There's always cheap shotting. It's the nature of the game. What you don't want to see is, you know, there's always chippiness. What you don't want to see is the hit that uh, against somebody in a vulnerable position who might actually take them off the board. Yeah. Uh, Who's going to be in the next uh, game one of the playoff series once they get there? My guess is Gustafson. I just think he's been the better goalie lately. Uh, last year they went with Fleury and it didn't work out well for him. They probably stuck with him too long. So I, we don't know, but my guess would be Gustafson at this point. I just think he's playing a little bit better right now. Pablo Lopez again looked like a true ace in last night's game. Uh, terrible first inning. Looked like he had no command, no feel, and then he comes back and is just absolutely dominant for the next seven innings. Yeah. Uh, looks fantastic. And uh, 
And so Lopez was great. Uh, he does look like an ace. That might be uh, such a winning deal. Uh, Thielbar comes in and gets the lefty. Then Duran goes out there and does what Roy Smalley always tells him not to do on our podcast. He says, don't get beat with your second best pitch. Yeah. And don't don't throw off-speed pitches until you've established speed pitches. Uh, Duran came in. If he throw if, if he had thrown nothing but fastballs, I have no doubt he would have uh, – had a clean inning. Yep. Instead, he goes out there, and his first pitch is an 88-mile-an-hour breaking pitch that hangs there. Robert hits it over the fence. It's a blown, you know, it's a blown save and a potential loss. They did come back and win it. And then Duran got mad and threw 103 the rest of the inning. They didn't come close to touching him. He's just, right. you know, the breaking pitch is great after you've gotten them edging up in the box, you know, kind of scared to death of the 103-mile-an-hour fastball. Then the 88-mile-an-hour pitch is going to look great. Don't start with it. Yeah, and don't leave it right over the middle. That was poorly located uh, yeah. as well in, in that situation. And and Louis Robert is as dangerous a hitter as the White Sox will send to the plate too. So, um, you know, that's that's one situation really, like you said, don't get beat with your second-best pitch, and, and he kind of did there. Uh, but, you know, I, so who's calling the pitches? I mean, with the timing and all this, I see sometimes it's the pitchers are calling it, sometimes it's the catcher. Who does it? I suppose it's individual preference for the pitcher, or what's going on with that? It is. Some pitchers like to call their own pitches. Uh, some pitchers like the catcher to call it and then just kind of uh, go with the flow. Or if they have to, they can quickly, uh, you know, shake it off. Uh, more and more, you're seeing pitchers call it. I think with Duran and Vasquez, Vasquez is calling it. And I'm surprised he made that call. Yeah. And I'll have, to, I'll have to double check to make sure that's the case with Duran. But yeah. my understanding is that Vasquez is calling pitches in that situation. And Vasquez is very smart, but I think they just got a little too cute there. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.